And dearest Heavenly Father, creator of all things, thank you for loving and wanting even us. For be willing to leave your throne for a box. God, we thank you for that. And as we worship you this morning, we pray that you will pour your spirit out on this place. Grant us a clear picture of who you are and the mission you are calling us to do. In your name, amen. I'm not going to lie, and I may have told you this before, but recess was not my favorite subject. And it wasn't just because often I would spend my recesses doing the homework that I didn't do when I was supposed to, though there was a lot of that. But it was also the fact that the games that were chosen for recess are not areas where I excelled at all. It might be because I wasn't the strongest, which I wasn't. It might be because I wasn't the fastest, which I wasn't. But more than likely, it was just that I lacked coordination in general. I was reminded of that this morning as I was scraping the ice off my car in order to drive to church and just standing there in my driveway, I fell. Good news, I did not rip my suit. But I dreaded recess. When we would be standing there in a line and they would start choosing teams, it never ended well for me. Because guaranteed, I usually wasn't the very last, but I was close. It doesn't feel good to not be chosen. And so... Instead, we would come up with other games that did not require standing up. But what I love about Jesus is he he has this way of choosing the unchosen. When he was there and the little children were coming to him and he said, let the little children come to me. He was choosing the unchosen. You see, There was a whole hierarchy of importance. And children were absolutely at the bottom. Because what in the world could they contribute to any conversation? You had men, of course, the educated men at the very top. And you had women and slaves in the bottom. Children. But when Jesus said, no, no, let the little children come to me, he turned their world upside down because he said, these are the ones I choose. And Jesus had this way of choosing the unchosen. He did it with Zacchaeus. He did it with the Samaritan woman there at the well. He did it with the woman on the road to Tyre and Sidon. He over and over again chose the ones that no one else was choosing. Except Except that one time. There was that one time where someone said, Jesus, can I come with you? And Jesus said, 
now we're good. We probably should take a closer look at that story, shouldn't we? You see, it's found in Mark chapter 5 if you'd like to follow along, but they had just got through the night of their lives. There was a storm on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples were absolutely sure this one was going to be the storm. The storm they didn't make it through, this was going to be the one that ended it all. And Jesus, of course, had different plans and he spoke to the wind and the waves and he said, be still. But when they reached dry ground, I can only imagine the celebration that must have been in their hearts. As again, they're out of the boat and their feet are on dry ground and everything is the way it's supposed to be again. Some of you are feeling that way about winter. But they're there. I can imagine some of them probably had a desire to kiss the very ground. And then, then something changed. There were some tombs there, and out of the tombs comes running a man. And him running at the disciples, they decided, you know what, that lake wasn't so bad. And they started heading back towards the boat, and they are in the boat. They are ready to push off. Jesus, Jesus isn't joining us. Jesus, you'll want to come. This guy probably foaming at the mouth. Probably chains dangling from him. He is out of control. Oh, and he's naked. Jesus, when naked men run at you, you run. But Jesus is just standing there. Jesus confronts the man. It wasn't just a demon, it was demons. They beg to be sent into the pigs nearby. Jesus allows it. And they go into the pigs and you see the demon's purpose as clear as day because they take those pigs, running them off a cliff into the Sea of Galilee. If you ever wonder what Satan's plan is, it's spelled out very clearly right there. And then the village comes out to see. And they see this man, I love the way the Bible says it, clothed in his right mind, and they see their lack of pigs, and they say, Jesus, we don't need you here. Please leave before you do anything else. And Jesus goes to get in the boat, and as he and his disciples are about to push off, there is this man who had been tormented by demons, and he says, Jesus, let me come with you. Jesus, I've got nothing here. Let me come with you. And Jesus says, no. Wait, what? How in the world could Jesus, when somebody says, Jesus, I want to be with you, Jesus says, no. Jesus, who chooses the unchosen and seems to accept everyone, even when the disciples are saying, shh, be quiet. Jesus says, no, no, no. I want to hear what they have to say. But this man, Jesus says, no, we're, we're good. Either we have the wrong picture of Jesus or 
We have a faulty picture of what inclusion means. You see, for us, inclusion means, hey, you want to sit with me? That's inclusion. But for Jesus, it's so much more. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love that we should be called the children of God. Inclusion with Jesus means not just sitting with him. You're part of his family. And Paul, Paul defines it as being part of the body of Christ. When Jesus includes you, you are part of his body. You are one with him. That's a little bit trickier, isn't it? I mean, if you think about the people that you're willing to sit with, that's probably a pretty big group, right? But if you think about the people you're willing to invite into your home, that list has shrunk. But if you think about the people who you are willing to let speak on your behalf, that's small. You see, when Jesus includes us, It's so much more than we could even imagine. And here, Jesus didn't ignore this man's request. He said, said, no, I've got so much more for you than just coming with me. I want you to be my voice here. I want you to stay here and tell other people about me. The same Jesus. The same Jesus longs to include you too, you know. Whether you're a children, child or the great-grandparent of a child. Regardless of gender. Regardless of race. The same Jesus says, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be part of my body. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Gives us a little bit of the mission of that body. From whom the whole body Joined and knit together by every ligament which is equipped as each part of the body working properly promotes the body's growth, building itself up in love. You see, when you're part of the body, there's a job. The purpose of the body is to grow by inviting others in and to strengthen the body that we have here. When Jesus includes you, he has a job for you. But it's so easy to hear those words and say, well, but not, not me. What, what would I say? And Jesus, I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't feel comfortable just 
talking to people. What in the world am I supposed to say? I haven't had that training. I haven't gone through that course. I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to be teaching. Well, let's turn back to Mark chapter 5 and take a closer look at this story because here I think we're going to find exactly what it is we're supposed to say and who we're supposed to say it to. There are just four things in this story that I want to draw our attention to. First of all, where does Jesus find the man? In the tombs. He was at death. And he was confronted with the maker of all things and he got life. Each of us has a story from death to life. Each of us has a story where when we came in contact with Jesus, he took us from death to life. The second thing The second thing is that other people had tried to contain this man. Other people had tried to take it under control. They had tried using chains. They had tried using everything. And nothing worked. It's only Jesus that can take us from death to life. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing someone else can do. It is only Jesus. And until you have had that encounter with Jesus, still in the tomb. And the third thing, I, I love this. And I mentioned it once already, but sometimes you say things more than once. Verse 15. When the villagers came, they saw the demoniac sitting there clothed in his right man the man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. When people see us, they should see the change in our lives. They should be able to tell, hey, this person has had an encounter with Jesus. Something is different. And so what is it that we're supposed to say? Jesus says to him in verse 19, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. As much as I love the beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I think they're beautiful, that is not actually what we are told to share here. We're told to share our story. Each one of us has a story where we have seen God come into our lives and take us from death to life. Have you shared that story with someone? Your story is different than my story. But the beautiful thing about sharing our stories with people is it's not up for debate, it's not up for argument. It's your story. And the next time Jesus comes to this region, the people flock to him. There's power in our stories.
This is the task Jesus has given us to do. Now, I've been told that if I preach, I have to include a story of Emmett. One time I preached and I didn't. People asked to make sure he was okay. He's, he's doing well. But I don't know what your children are like or were like when they were younger. But there's something about the words clean up time that seem to change the atmosphere in our home. They can be playing so happily, everything is going so well, and you say those words and things change. And you go from happy to a different feeling. And you, you can try giving them notice. Hey, cleanup time is coming in ten minutes. It's coming in five. It's coming in one minute. It's almost cleanup time. And everything is fine until the words, it's cleanup time, come out. Things change. But you know what I have found that works? If instead of saying it's cleanup time, I say, hey guys, you want to help me with something? It's completely different. In fact, if I say you want to help me with something, we can spend an entire day cleaning the garage and they have a grand time. Not a complaint. Nothing. The God of the universe. The God of the universe hasn't given us this task to do while he sits and watches. He's inviting us to join him. He's inviting us to join him and he wants to include every single last one of us. And if you don't believe me on that, in Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28, then afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Everyone is included. God has a mission for every single last one of us. And he's not asking us to do it alone because he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I want you to do this with me. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The God of the universe longs to do something with you. He longs to have you join him and be on his team. Church family, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Playtime is over. It's time to clean up. This isn't the job for just pastors and evangelists and teachers. It's not just the job for those who have degrees. 
It's the job for every single one of us. From the youngest to the oldest. So will you join? Will you? Will you find just someone this week and tell them your story? You can do it in person. Like Pastor Rodley preached about last week, you can do it online. There are so many different ways we can tell other people about Jesus. But we need to do it. So, there is a Connect card and I encourage you to do that, but I want to take this one step further this morning. If you're willing to say, you know what? Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your team. I'm willing to find one person to share my story with. How Jesus took me from death to life. One person this week. If you're willing to do that, I invite you to stand. And make that commitment that I'm going to find someone to share that story with. Dearest Heavenly Father, God, behold what manner of love that you would include us on your team. It doesn't make sense that you go out and you choose the unchosen. But you, the maker of all things, you love and want us. And you want us to tell others who you are. To tell others what you have done in our lives. And so God, I pray now that you will bless these commitments. That you will use each and every voice here. With the gifts and talents you have given them to somehow share your story with the world. In your name, amen.